Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 84. Go. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he once had a spitting contest with a camel at the San Diego Zoo, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up? It's Pat Flynn, and welcome to session 84 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I'm so excited you're listening. And in fact, I'm looking at the clock right now in my home office. It is one 58 a.m. If you've listened to my show before, you know that I work late, but this is this is a special one because I'm actually recording this podcast early in the morning so that I can get it done before a cab picks me up in just a few hours to take me to the San Diego airport so I can fly to St. Louis to deliver the opening keynote for the Financial Blogger Conference. And I'm, I'm super stoked because this is my first keynote and I've been working really hard on this presentation. There will be a video of this presentation later on, so uh, hopefully I'll remember to link to that video in this particular episode. But what is also cool is that my guest on the SPI podcast today, he's gonna be there as well. Now I'm delivering the opening keynote and he's actually delivering the closing keynote. And this is none other than one of my good friends, Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com. And I'm really excited to bring him on because he just has a very unique way of explaining things. He's, he's very smart. He always cites uh, study, you know, case studies and, and research, and, and he just backs everything up, he says, with data and facts, which I love. So we're going to hear a lot of that today. We're also going to hear about how he got started online, which I know a lot of you who know Derek don't really know you know, the, the details about how he got started, and it's actually really interesting. So what we're going to talk about today is selling and getting more sales when you're doing launches and selling products, higher conversions, and, and basically how to, how, to, how to convert browsers into buyers. And, and like I said, Derek has a lot of great examples to help us get there. So let's just dive right into the interview. Here's Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com. Enjoy. Derek, dude, what's up, man? Welcome to the uh, welcome to the SPA podcast, bro. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here, dude. We have an interesting relationship because I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but we 
are really good friends. Uh, and and when people hear that, they're like, well, when I tell people that you're a good friend of mine, they're like, really? Because we have such different styles when it comes to you know presenting ourselves online and, and, and who we are. I mean, as, and we talk about this all the time, but for some reason, it, we just go together like, I don't know, peas and carrots or something. But I mean, it's just, it's. It, I, I always love talking to you whenever we, we, we meet in person at a conference. Um, it's just, we have such a good time. So I don't know, I don't even know what it is, but I'm just really happy to call you my friend. So thank you for coming on the show. Dude, I really appreciate that. I think it's partly because even though we have different styles, night and day styles, if you will, where you're a lot more of a nice guy and maybe I'm just a little bit, just a tad on the red <laughs> side, I think the bottom line is that we're both authentic to who we are, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a secret. Awesome. Well said. Now, I do want to start with your story. We're going to get into some selling techniques and conversion techniques and things that are going to help us convert browsers into buyers, which uh, some really interesting stuff, actually. Uh, but before that, I think a lot of people out there don't even know how you got started, Derek. I know a lot of people know you sort of came about in the last couple of years by, um, you know, putting yourself onto these big blogs and these big websites doing conversion strategies for these big name bloggers like Chris Brogan and myself and Corbett Barr. I mean, that's how you got your name in this sort of IM space and become the center of the psychology area in internet marketing and, and online business. But before that, like, what were you doing? How did you get into online business in the first place? It's so funny that you asked that question. Now, I want to answer it in just a second. But first, I want to let everyone know that you mentioned we're going to be talking about some conversion strategies later in the podcast. And I want them to know that there are three things I'm going to cover later is I want to talk about why people selling scared is the main reason why people fail to convert their browsers into buyers. And I want to talk about why I don't sell often, but when I do sell, I sell hard. And also, I'm going to reveal something to the smart passive income listeners that I've never talked about before. Nice. called the bonus sandwich. Sounds and yummy. Yes. Sorry. So I, I'm really pumped to talk about that. But let's talk about, I guess, my history, right? I was in college, and like most college kids, I was procrastinating on doing my college homework. So I was reading a website, a website written by this super arrogant guy, where all he talked about was all the dumb things he did in college. He was hilarious. One day, I accidentally clicked advertise on his website and I saw he was getting $500 a week for ads. That's how much he was there asking were, for, for ads yeah, on his site. There were five ads there. Now here I was thinking like, wait a second, this dude is making that much money and all he's doing is writing about the dumb things he did in college. I do dumb things every day. <laughs> I can make money doing this. So what did I do? I started my first blog, 2005. And in this blog, I talked about the dumb things I did in college. And nobody read it because I wasn't that funny. I wasn't that good of a writer. I failed. I wasted like two months trying to build this site and I, nothing happened. So I went back to the source, my inspiration. I went back to that site. I was trying to figure out why was I failing while this guy was succeeding. And I accidentally clicked on a link to a celebrity gossip blog. The name of this blog is irrelevant, but I clicked on this link. And at this point, I was an expert. I went right to the advertised page. 
And I saw this dude was getting like a thousand dollars a week for ads. <laughs> and there was a million of those ads there. It's like, wait a second. I can make more money and I don't even have to make fun of myself. I can make fun of other people. And thus my celebrity gossip site was born in March. It was like March, 2006, I think. Yeah. You always talk about that. And you know, like how, how did that work out? How did that, how did that go for you? It went really well because at that point I kind of been around the block a little bit. I kind of understood how to promote my blog. I learned a lot about blog promotion. The problem was when I was promoting my my site about doing dumb things, I wasn't that funny. However, when I was promoting the celebrity stuff, celebrities did dumb things all the time, so I didn't even have to try that hard. So I remember I launched in March 2006. By February 2007, February 2007, I attracted more than, I think it was more than 2 million visitors in a month. And that was the first time, if my memory serves me right, it was February 2007, and I did more than $20,000 in revenue that month. Holy so within Lord. 12 months, I was already making more than $20,000 a month. Oh, wait, wait, hold up. Like, how did you, I mean, it was just, was it just simply the fact that you were talking about these celebrities and this was just something that was wide open at that time? Or what, what was special about your site compared to all the other celebrity gossip sites? So that's a great question. And there's something that even though when I was a, a green pea when it came to building websites, there was one thing that I knew was vitally important. And it was all about positioning. What's positioning? Well, back then, I, I analyzed all the top celebrity gossip sites. And I noticed there was the straight guys who talked about half-naked women. There were the gay guys that were super snarky. There were the moms that talked about celebrity babies. There were the fashion blogs that talked about celebrity fashion. But there was no one that would take the vein of like that straight guy snarkster who made fun of celebrities. So that was kind of my brand, was I was known to being this straight dude that was just kind of snarky on celebrities. Kind of like a straight Paris Hilton. Okay, that's interesting. And and you were okay with that. I mean, that's like, you know, you're making fun of other people. And I mean, I mean, we, we, we talked about this already. That's not who I am. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that's that's who you are, but you just saw this opportunity and, and, and yeah. took it. So I actually didn't care about celebrities. I was just doing it because I was in college and I was trying to figure out how to make money on the internet. Right. And I did. I killed it. 2007, I made a ton of money. I attracted like 30 million visitors to my website in 2007. I even had a publicly traded company approach me to buy out my site. That's how much traffic I was getting. What? Yeah, so crazy. And I guess I could talk about that story another day, but... In 2007, I learned a really hard lesson where I probably lost out on about a million dollars at 22 years old because I made a stupid mistake when building my site. And long story short, the stupid mistake was the fact that I was getting all this traffic to my site and I was doing everything in my power to convert that traffic into ad clicks because at that point I relied on advertising. More clicks meant more money. So I took, I overloaded my site with ads and I generated all this traffic and I kept none of it because I was sending them to ads all the time. Right. You're sending now, them away. Is, when I was getting that buyout from that publicly traded company, they offered me somewhere around six figures for, for, the, uh, for the blog. But if I had instead of not – if I wasn't focusing on ad clicks but instead built an email list, 
I probably would have gotten over seven figures for my blog. I see. And that was the mistake. And that's, I, I'm guessing that's why you got so into conversions and email lists after that. And sort of now oh, you're, you're known as that because that was a huge mistake for you before. You only need to lose out on a million dollars once to never do that again, right? <laughs> so that's what happened. I became Mr. Email after that. Even though I was a little, it, I didn't become Mr. Email right away. At the end of 2007, I was still doing the gossip stuff. I was doing really well. I kind of rebounded from all this garbage. And I was just depressed working on what I was working on because I had a gossip side, a fashion side, a makeup side, all these stupid sites I didn't care about. I was just doing it for the money. And I decided to quit web stuff and I got a corporate gig. But, you know, that's kind of boring. <laughs> How long did you have the corporate gig? I call it my lost years. Your lost Eric Halpern lost in paradise. <laughs> and I did it for like two years before I finally got the heck out of there because even though I learned a lot while working in the corporation, my personality and ambition wasn't suited for the slow-paced, conservative Fortune 100 company environment. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how that happened. And then is that when you started Social Triggers? And then, yes. So after I quit, I kind of had a little bit of a hiatus before I finally launched Social Triggers in March of 2011. And the reason why I launched all started with one single lunch. I had lunch with my friend Terry, and I was complaining to him about how there were all these big marketing blogs. They were getting tons of traffic, getting book deals, getting all this credibility notoriety. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, I know more than these guys. And these guys aren't even giving good information. I could do this better. And Terry just looked at me. He goes, well, prove it. And social triggers was born. I'm not one to cave to a challenge. I like challenges. So what was the difference before you went to corporate versus after? Because, I mean, I mean, a lot of people are still doing well in the celebrity niche. I mean, yep. why did you want to stay away from that this time? I stayed away from it because I didn't care about it, right? What I noticed while in corporate America, I developed a reading habit. Everything I read about was psychology or persuasion or marketing or business. That's what I love. That's what fired me up. And I had a proven track record of building profitable businesses. So I realized that I had a skill set that people wanted to learn. And I felt compelled to share it. And I started it because I wanted to build another business, mind you. But I wanted to build a business doing what I love to do, which was teaching people about emails, conversions, sharing my dumb mistakes that I've made while building, you know, building different businesses. So people can learn from my mistakes so they don't have to make them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the, the initial inspiration for those social triggers. And then your positioning, going back to what you said earlier, yes. is the psychology angle, which I feel is really smart. I, I, I mean, before you came along, I didn't know anybody who was talking about that, probably because there was nobody qualified to talk about that until you came along. Yeah. So. Well, it's not even that. It's that there was probably people who were qualified to talk about it, but no one was doing it because that's not what they were focused on. And as I said back in the gossip, I knew about the power of positioning. Most people skip positioning, and it's so dumb when they do that because positioning before you launch is the most important thing you can do. And I knew that if I wanted to have a blog that people remembered, I wanted them to go to my blog and know right off the bat, Derek, psychology, marketing. No one else is talking about this. He's the place I have to go to to get this information. Right, and it's very, 
It's it, it's very apparent in all of your content. Um, your Social Triggers Insider podcast, which I highly recommend everyone subscribe to. It's excellent. Some amazing guests that I haven't seen any on any other podcast. You know, you go to, you, you listen to these other podcasts and they're great, but you know you're you're listening to the same person over different podcasts. Like I know a lot of people have listened to me over fifty different podcasts. They're probably sick of my voice by now. But everybody you've interviewed, they're you know, they're from business schools and like incredibly renowned authors that I haven't seen, you know, any, anywhere else but on your show. So for that reason, I highly recommend your show. Um, you also have a great set of videos and, and, and you've been really hot on the videos lately. All of them are really, are done really well, high quality, all psychology based. I mean, in any content that Derek produces, you can tell that that's your positioning and, and you do that really well, uh, Derek. And I've learned way i mean i've learned a ton from you so i just have to thank you for for helping me out as well um just congrats on all your success dude <laughs> thank you i appreciate that and I, I mean it's tough to focus on that but that little difference is why you know in the last two and a half years social triggers went from scratch to more than one hundred and twenty-five thousand subscribers right because people know that when they get my podcast as an example they're going to get a podcast from someone like Francesca Gino, who's a Harvard Business School professor, where she focuses on like decision making and how people get sidetracked on their decisions. Or you'll find someone like the Heath brother, Dan Heath, who is a New York Times bestselling author. Or you'll get someone like Mike Del Ponte, who launched the Soma water filter. Like you basically go there and hear guests that I'm trying I'm trying to show guests that aren't everywhere else because. I believe that's most respectful to my listeners. Yeah, that's awesome. And that and, and that's like it's funny cuz cuz I also have a lot of guests on my show who nobody's ever heard of before, but yeah. but they're on the sort of opposite end of the spectrum. They're not world renowned or they're not these these high name authors. They're people you've you would have I mean, they're people who have these businesses but nobody's ever heard of them before who are sharing their own life experiences. So I think both you and I together, you know, we we sort of rounded out quite nicely. Yeah, no, I think you do it great. I mean, if you're not going to go for the world-renowned people, you could feature people just like your listener because it's very inspirational. Right. I mean, and, those are some of the most popular shows, actually. Yep, I bet. But today we have a big name, Derek uh, Halpern, of course, from SocialTriggers.com. And let's get into talking about selling now. Now, you mentioned earlier you had three things you wanted to cover, and we can discuss these together. But the first one I'm really interested in because I have – sort of went through something that has to do with this fairly recently when I released Breakthrough Blogging. Um, it is why selling scared is the main reason why people fail to convert browsers to buyers. I mean, that's such a strong headline in itself, but, but talk about that for us a little bit. Well, when most people start selling, they shoot themselves in the foot before they even get started. They think their subscribers are going to revolt because they're finally selling something to them. They think no one's going to buy what they're selling. And then they start to use these horrible qualifiers that kill their conversions. They're literally punching themselves in the face. Like how? How are they doing that? Well, I want to talk about that specifically in just one second. But first, I want to share a funny little story because this reminds me of a story back when I was 18 years old in college and I was trying to flirt with women. In my head, like most men, I didn't have much confidence as an 18-year-old trying to flirt with girls. So I made up all sorts of excuses that explained why I was bad with women. It wasn't me. It's because uh, I'm short. 
And you know what? I believed it too. I thought I was bad with flirting because I was short. You see, my friends at that time were, they were like six feet or taller and I wasn't. So I assumed that I was bad because of my height. And then one day I even proved it to myself. I walked up to a girl at a party and I was like, hey, uh, I'm Derek. What's your name? She said, you're too short and walked away. Dude, that actually happened. That's not cool. I then used that one example as proof of why I didn't know how to flirt with girls when I was 18 years old. What's funny is that really only happened once, probably out of hundreds of interactions. It was clearly not the problem, but I used that one example as proof and I used it to hold myself back. Now, what does that have to do with selling? Well, if you expect people to hate you for selling, guess what? They're going to hate you. And even if you don't get that many haters, you'll probably have at least one hater. And you'll focus on that one hater like I did that one girl. And if you focus on that, you'll then start selling scared. At which point no one's going to buy what you sell because if you're scared to sell what you're selling, imagine how scared the buyer would be buying it. Right. Well said. And so you have to be confident. Now, what is an example of selling scare? Have you ever stumbled on a sales pitch, Pat, where someone says something like, um, you should buy this because I kind of think it's going to help you in your situation? It's sort of or, kind of a, like a, it's, it's not a very solid pitch and, and it has a, it has a very, I mean, it's not, it's not very confident at all when you say it like that. Yeah, but I mean, I see people who sell like that. As another example, one of my friends Every time he sends out an email to his list where he's selling something, he uses the subject line, selly sell. Oh, my God. <laughs> he thinks he's being transparent. But what he's really doing is just displaying his own insecurity about selling to all of his subscribers. And what's funny is what I really hate about this is you have some people that think that's a good idea. And they say, good, good idea, man. You're really being authentic. But it's not really being authentic because – if you have to alert people that you're selling because you're scared those people are going to get mad at you, do you really want those people on your list? Let's take this back to your when you launched Breakthrough Blogging. Remember the comments? Why don't you tell us about those comments and how I remember I had to go in there and fight with people in your comments section <laughs> for you. Well, I released Breakthrough Blogging, as you know, and I expected you know, a little bit of a little bit of backlash. And I knew, you know, there was going to be a few people who were expressive of their, um, you know, they were just so used to getting stuff for, for free from me all the, all the time. And I knew the moment that I was going to put something up for sale, I was going to get some a little bit of backlash. And so of course, there were a couple of those comments. And you know, I'm really thankful for the community at SPI. Most people like responded to that person even before I saw that comment. And you responded yourself, Derek. Um, but uh, it, it was just really interesting, you know, and, and for me, myself as a seller, I, I knew that this is something I have to sell. I was confident in it, which is why these negative comments didn't bother me at the time. And I, you know, the moment you start letting these types of comments, if something, if, if you're confident in what you're selling, then, then you have to keep going strong and, and, and keep moving forward with it. But it's the moment that you start to doubt yourself and, you know, getting influenced by other people who say things like that that make you start to doubt yourself and what you're selling, that's when you're in trouble because you shouldn't ever sell anything that you're doubtful of. Yeah. But what's funny is I actually would go so far as to saying that if you think you're going to have that backlash, you're going to telegraph that in your copy. 
and the backlash is going to happen because you think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What's funny is when I did social triggers, I never thought I was going to have any backlash whatsoever. And I gave away a ton of value at social triggers for 13 months before I sold anything, my first product. And I actually remember getting almost no backlash when I launched that product. I mean, I got, I got, I mean, 95% positive, you know, response from, from releasing this product, even from people who couldn't buy it at the time. They were just so happy for me to finally release my product. And there was that small percentage of people who, who, you know, disagreed with, with that uh, move. But like I said earlier, I I mentioned this even in another podcast, you know, this, this is the smart business move for smart passive income. If I want to create a long-term business, I have to create products of my own and sell them. That's what I want you to do. If you have your own business and you have your own audience and 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 you really care for them and you want to have a long-term business you have to create products of your own because i was making money as an affiliate for so long and i still am but it was risky because or it is it is risky because at any time those affiliate relationships can get cut off or those companies can get bought out or die or go away and that's money coming into my house that is not under my control and that's scary very scary. And what I think we should, I, I guess the key takeaway when you're dealing with selling scared is just realize that maybe 5% of your readership is going to hate you for selling. But guess what? You got to get them off your list because they're just there. They're going to freeload and create headaches. If they give you crap, just delete them out of your subscribership. I happily delete people from my list. <laughs> well, I think another thing is, you know, a lot of people, I mean, the, like nothing changed on SPI, you know? I, I just added something new to it for people who wanted a little bit more help and, and, and some advice and things like that and a place to go to with a forum that is going to take my time. But nothing on the front end, I mean, I'm still providing all that free information. Nothing has changed for these people. They just, I mean, a, a, a few people saw me selling something and I believe, and, and you mentioned this, I think, in, in one of your comments, they, they, they just were angry that I was making more money. Yeah, of course they were. I mean, that's what happens, right? When you do sell something, people start to what ha- here's here's the bottom line. When you sell something that people want and they can't buy it, they don't take accountability or responsibility for that. They rather point the figure at you and call you greedy. I mean, it's a real sad truth. I'll never forget when there was this one time I offered a product on a webinar or whatnot, and someone emailed me. They're like, oh, Derek, that's way too expensive. I would never pay that much. You know, you don't know how to price your products and services. And I responded. I was like, do you have a graduate degree on uh, pricing and assessing value of products when you don't even really know what's in the product? And I remember she responded. She goes, well, I guess not. I was like, well, what makes you feel qualified to give me advice about how I price my products? And she goes, I guess you're right. The real reason was I just couldn't afford it and I felt like I was being left out. Mm. This is a real conversation. Interesting. So this is what happens. When you get those haters, those haters don't hate you. They usually hate themselves. Yeah, I mean, selling is interesting, especially if you've been – building an audience and delivering content, high value content for free, and you know, giving away things. The moment you start selling some things, things start to change, but you have to realize that, you know, and, and if you do it confidently and you know you're doing it for the right reasons, you know, that change is good. I mean, I've talked to people about this before, breakthrough blogging, I knew that it was gonna be different. 
but it's yeah. a good different. I had to, I had to, I, I have to do this for my business to move forward and to be secure. And so I can continue to provide free content down the road and down on, in the long run for people. Yep, absolutely. Actually, this kind of leads us to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which was uh, why I don't sell often, but when I do, I sell hard. You know, like you said, the front end of a website when you start selling rarely changes. With me, when I started to do it, it didn't change for me. What I did was I don't sell things every day of the week. There are some people out there who think you should be pitching every day. I think that's rude. I believe you shouldn't sell often, maybe sell once or once a month or once every two months. But when you do sell, sell hard. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess let me just give you an example. When I first launched my product, I did not sell hard. And, I, and what happened was, I actually remember, I did one webinar, and then I did a replay of that webinar, and then I closed down my product. So two, two point, point of sales. Yeah, two point of sales. That's it. And it did well. I mean, I sold a lot. I made a ton of money off my first product. And I almost used that as evidence that what I was doing was working, so don't change it. But deep down, I knew I could do better. So I went from doing just a webinar to announce the product, and I kept iterating on my product launch to hone it, to craft it, to make sure I was increasing conversions. I started with just a webinar, and when I most recently launched my product, not only did I had so much more than a webinar, I had pre-sale blog posts, pre-sale videos, a webinar, a 30-page sales letter, more email follow-up. All in all, when I first launched, I sent two emails to my list, and Later on, I ended up sending about seven emails to my list. Wow, now, in like a 12-day span about the same product launch. Now, I know some of the listeners out there are like, wow, seven emails in 12 days. That's kind of overkill. But it's not overkill. A lot of people would say that's overkill. But here's the deal. When you're trying to launch a product, it's not just about, hey, buy my product. It's about giving people enough information so they can make the right decision. So I wasn't sending them the same email seven times. One email was about one concept. Another email was about a different concept. Another email was about, all right, guys, enrollment is now open. Then another email did some more follow-up. Then another email was about case studies. Then another email was about a webinar. There was always different stuff to try and promote this product. Instead of relying on just one announcement, I built up the desire and made people want to buy. Now, what's funny is a lot of people are like, oh, seven emails. I would never do that. Well, guess what? I tested it. I tested something very interesting. I took three different groups of subscribers, right? And I segmented them out. One group got three emails. Another group got five emails. Another group got seven emails. All within the 12-day span? Like all over the course of the launch, right? I wanted to see, did more emails mean more revenue? And what happened? You know what I found out? Let's say there was 10,000 people in group one, 10,000 people in group two, and 10,000 people in group three. No matter how many emails I sent, by the end of the launch, I lost 2% of my subscribers. So if I sent three emails or if I sent seven emails, 2% of the starting total unsubscribed. Meaning one thing, if people are going to unsubscribe during the launch, they're going to unsubscribe during the launch, mm -hmm. period. 
Less emails doesn't prevent it. Right. Like imagine someone getting five emails, like five emails, and then saying, you know what? If you send that one more, I'm going to unsubscribe. Like that, I can't imagine that happening. Exactly. Now, at this point, a lot of people are like, well, was that overkill? Did you burn those people out? So I did a postmortem. I waited a few months and I then rechecked some of these subscribers and I found out something. Those subscribers, no matter what emails they, how many emails they got, they were not, there was no statistically significant change in activity. But you know what did change between three and seven emails? Sales. Sales. All right, when I first launched my product with just a webinar to when I launched my product with, you know, a whole launch sequence, I do 300% more sales. Now, is that just a matter of just send them more stuff? Or is there a very specific sort of way of doing that? Like, can you outline that? I mean, just really quick. I know we, I'm, I know we could do a whole podcast episode about a launch sequence, but I mean, can you give us a gist of, okay, what, what happens first? Maybe what happens next? Yeah. So if you really want to break this down, it's something that I go, I could go into detail for like weeks. I know. You know? We could, it's, yeah. it's not like I can't just boil it down into a formula for you. But what I can do is this, the point of the sequence is to make people want what you're selling before you sell it, then announce that it's for sale. Finally, convert the people who are on the sidelines into buyers. Those are the three stages of the launch. Hey guys, I'm going to be selling something, but right now I'm going to give you some value. Hey guys, I got some more stuff. I'm going to be selling some. Here's some more value. Guys, it's for sale. If you're on the fence, here's what you need to know testimonials, guys, it's closing down. You see how that works? That's kind of like how the structure is. Yeah. Now, there's specific things to say in each one of these emails, and there's a specific way to phrase your offer, but that's the, the gist of it. And when people go through your launch sequence, I mean, they're on your email list, of course, and they're getting this sequence of emails. Once they buy, they're off the list, right? Like they're not continuing to get those, those emails. Is that right? Yes, exactly. So if they bought the product, they're not going to be pitched to the same product again. Okay, because that's really important. Because so, I've purchased products before in a launch sequence just like that. I mean, it works. But then I got promote. I got pitched to again, like after yeah. I purchased it. And then I, yeah, then I was like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't have this product. So that you got to be very careful when you do this and make sure it's all so set up. Sometimes that happens and sometimes it's like a mistake. But most people like to segment that stuff out. Cool. So going back to your question, you are going back to the fact that you don't sell often, but when you sell, you sell hard. Yes. That's the launch sequence. But does that also include like what you say, what, what you say? Like, I mean, selling hard can be interpreted as more emails or it can be interpreted as, okay, guys, like this is seriously going to change your life. Like if you don't get this, you're going to, you're going to be a loser. Like that's selling hard yeah. too. But I mean, well, selling hard doesn't mean you sell hype. Selling hard to me is don't be scared to ask for the sale. When I'm selling, I'm going to tell you exactly why you should buy what I'm selling. I'm not going to be like, oh, P.S., I have this product. If you're interested, check it out. Right. I know a lot of people who kind of hint at the little sale at the end. Yeah, don't do that. 
That's a mistake. I mean, if you believe in what you're selling, if you're not selling hard, your competitors are. And chances are you probably think your product is better than your competitors. So why would you let them pick up those sales that one, you rightfully deserve, and two, is better for your customer? If you don't right. sell hard and a lackluster competitor gets that customer instead, you actually did your customer a disservice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very well put, Derek. Now let's talk about, you know, closing up here, this bonus sandwich. I mean, yeah. th th this must have to do with, uh, you know, selling uh, as well. I don't know if, if this is something that you would include in the launch sequence, but yep. it sounds very interesting. And um, I made the stupid joke earlier how it sounds yummy, so I'm not going to say that again, although I already just did. But anyway, yummy. What, what, is the, what is the bonus sandwich? All right. When you want to sell something, it's smart to provide strategic bonuses and incentives to increase conversions. If you don't offer bonuses and, and incentives, you're going to leave a ton of revenue on the table. So don't do that. The question is, what types of bonuses or incentives should you offer to generate maximum number of conversions? Well, before we talk about the bonus sandwich, one example of an incentive, and you see people do this all the time, they give a discount, like a time-limited discount. Have you ever seen people do that? Yeah, it happens all the time. Well, guess what? Those are stupid incentives. <laughs> all right, if you're discounting your products, that means you don't value what you're selling, and you're sending that message to your customers. I'll never forget, there's this big story about JCPenney, about how... There, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but it was like 98% of their sales at JCPenney was because of uh, sales. Like almost all their sales came in at 50% off or more. Oh, and then cool. one day the CEO got a bright idea like, all right, you know, I'm sick of these sales. Let's just do everyday low prices like Walmart. So instead of selling a $14 shirt for six bucks, we'll just sell it for seven bucks every day of the week. Well, guess what? People hated it. People were accustomed to sales. People looked at those sales like crack. They just needed sales to buy. And if you're discounting your products, you're going to train your list and your customers to only buy from you when you're giving a sale. Don't do that. Now, that said, there's another type of incentive that isn't a discount. Right? There's a value-added incentive. And value-added incentives are the best as long as you package it the right way. Now, let me, I'll talk about packaging and the bonus sandwich specifically in a second, but what's a good value-added incentive? Well, you want to give away something related to what you're selling. If it's not related to what you're selling, it's not going to help increase your sales. I've seen people like give away a Kindle when they buy this course. I couldn't help but scratch my head because a Kindle is nice, but what does that have to do with what you're selling? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Bonuses for the sake of bonuses might convert some people over but the best way to convert the maximum number of people over is to offer something related to what you sell. So like if, if, if you're a bank, for example, and you are selling a checking account like or whatever, you know, you, you want to give away free checking instead of like a stapler or, or a calculator. Exactly. Or if you're opening like a lot of banks say if you open a savings account, we'll put the first hundred dollars in there for you. Right. Think about that for a second. If you're opening a savings account, it's because you're trying to save money. And what better way to save money than to just be given a hundred bucks? Yeah, I've seen that before. I've seen 25, 50, 100, as opposed exactly. to a free calculator. You know, like, what is that? Well, who cares about that free calculator? 
I mean, even like when I, I, I have a blog training course and like one of the things I do with bonuses tend to be advanced trainings. Like here's the basic stuff. The bonus will be advanced copywriting or advanced SEO. And that's another example of offering related stuff. Or if you're selling WordPress themes, offer, you know, free, a free plugin. Or if you're selling, let's say, Bluehost, you can offer a free step-by-step -step guide on what they should do after they install their Bluehost blog mm. if they buy through your affiliate link. Mm, mm, See how that mm, works? And what's great about that, actually, if you offer a free step-by-step -step guide after you buy, all you got to do is email me your Bluehost receipt. You know what the best part is? If you get people to email you their Bluehost receipts, now you're going to get their name, and their name is a buyer, and you'll know who bought. Right, right. So that's amazing. Now, uh, let's just keep going. Now, how does this all tie in? Now, how do you package these bonuses the right way? That's the real question, right? Mm -hmm. When you sell your, your product, you're supposed to give your bonuses away for free. I'll repeat that. When you're giving bonuses, you sell the product, you give the bonuses away for free. You do not sell the product and bonuses as a package price. I'll explain. Back in the 1980s, Jerry Berger ran an interesting research experiment. He was running a psychology club bake sale or whatever, right? And if people stopped by the table and asked about the bake sale and asked about what was going on, right? This is when they were experimented on. You know, one group of people were told that they could buy a cupcake and two cookies for 75 cents. The other group of people were told they could buy a cupcake for 75 cents and get two cookies free. Same thing, cupcake and two cookies for 75 cents. One was sold a package for 75 cents, the other was sold a cupcake and they would get two free cookies. What do you think converted better based on what I just said? The second one. The second one. How much better do you think it converted? Oh, I don't know. Over 50%, I would say. So here's what happens. The first offer, the offer where you were getting one cupcake and two cookies for 75 cents, 40% of the people bought. 40%. Now, check this. That means four out of 10. The second group, where they were told they can buy a cupcake for 75 cents, they get two cookies free. 73%, or seven out of 10. Four out of 10, seven out of 10. Yeah. Insane. So that's what, 75% increase? All because they sold the product and gave the bonus away free. Right, the packaging. The pat that exactly. Now I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but it works really well. I use the same strategy when I sold the product earlier this year as an affiliate. I made the top affiliates for uh, Marie Forleo's uh, B School launch, mm -hmm. and it was all because I added strategic bonuses that I gave away for free. Bonuses related to the sale. Actually, I don't know if you want, but you can link that up in the show notes, and I'll make the page live. I mean, nothing's for sale anymore because the launch closed. But you can kind of see how I structured that offer. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that that is, and I, you know, I do that sometimes with with a lot of the products that I sell as an affiliate too. I'll add my own 
um, guide to it or, you know, like for opt-in skin, I actually had a developer create additional skins for that plugin as an, as yeah. a secondary plugin, like it, it, it related. And the way it was packaged was if you bought through my affiliate link, you would get that for free. Isn't that great? And it does, it does wonders for converting these people into buyers. Most people just try to sell as an affiliate and don't give anything away, but giving that little something away could be the difference between conversions that make you happy and then conversions that make you go woohoo. You know? <laughs> now, wait, with these bonuses, I know I see a lot of people say, "Okay, you get this bonus that has a seventy nine dollar value for free," and they yeah. they always put a value to these bonuses. And my question is, like, sometimes yes, they do have a value because you can actually see that they're being sold for that much. But also, a lot of times people will create bonuses and make up a number to go with them. And yeah. to to me, they're just not believable. Yeah. I don't know how so you feel. Some people that lie about the prices, and customers are savvy to that. Right. That said, you should assign a value to your bonuses. Like when I did the Marie Forleo thing, I gave away a free one-day event in New York City. Wow. And, I mean, I labeled that bonus as a $1,000 value for that one-day event. If you really think about it, that's well, that makes really sense. what it's worth. If I were to sell an event like that, I probably would have sold it for $2,000 actually. But I labeled the value on it and I gave it away for free as a bonus. Right. I mean, well, that makes sense. But I mean, people who create these ebooks. Yeah, don't make stuff up because it's not believable and it's going to actually ruin your credibility and you don't want to do that. Okay. That's what I was trying to get. Now, I guess the next step is we're talking about bonuses, but what's this bonus sandwich, right? Well. What is it? <laughs> I want you to look at it like this. Your product or service that you're selling, that's the meat of your sales pitch. Now, the problem with selling the meat is that the meat is lacking the bread. The bread that goes on top of the meat and the bread that goes on the bottom of the meat. I'll explain. I'll, I believe good bonuses are vertically integrated into whatever it is you're selling. Vertical, in, vertical integration is when you give away a bonus that's vertically below what you're selling and and or vertically above your, what you're selling. Bread on bottom, bread on top, meat, bonus sandwich. Now, what do I mean by the bread on the bottom? Well, this bonus, the bottom bonus, should focus on giving away something that's preventing your ideal customer from using the product or service right now. As an example, if you're like selling WordPress themes, one of the things that might prevent someone from buying a WordPress theme is the fact that they don't even have a WordPress website, right? Mm -hmm. So an example of the bread bottom would be if you buy this WordPress theme, you will get a free WordPress setup with the purchase of this WordPress theme. Now your bonus converts these people that don't have websites into people who want to buy your theme. The bread on the bottom. You see how that works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's the bread below. Check. Now the same example, what's the bread on top? Well, that's when you offer a bonus that comes after people get and start using your product. So working off that WordPress theme example, if a WordPress setup comes before installing a WordPress theme, what comes after it? Maybe tweaking the theme for maximum conversions, right? So the perfect bonus there would be a guide to increasing conversion rates on your blog. So now you're giving away a WordPress setup, a WordPress theme, and an ebook to increase conversions. Bonus sandwich. The whole point of this bonus sandwich is to turn as many browsers into buyers as possible by creating bonuses that address the objections 
that your customer may have to buying what you sell. Love it. Love it. So if I, for example, we're going to sell a, an ebook about how to write an ebook for Kindle, for example, yep. a bottom bread piece could be how to write a good story or, or you know, a free ebook on how to write a good story or how to how to be a great writer or how to, you know, something that has to do with what I'm eventually going to create. That empowers them to write the ebook. Yes. Right. And then something after it would be how to market your ebook. Exactly. Exactly. I love yes. that. The bonus sandwich. The bonus sandwich. And it works for everything. Like even if you're selling, you know, consulting or services, let's say you're a web designer, right? What's one reason why people may not want to buy a web design? Well, they're worried that you're going to mess up their site. So you're selling a web design. Bonus one, the bottom bonus is that you will back up their entire site and ensure them if something goes wrong, you can revert back to their old design instantly. Like that's bonus one to allay objection number one. Bonus two, the bread on top for a web design could be maybe people are worried that the web design they're about to buy is not going to convert like they had hoped. At which point, bonus two would be you get three hours of advice or consulting or mm -hmm. web design time for me to tweak the design for better conversions. Kind of see how that works? Yeah, dude. That's Just sweet. by bonus sandwiching. And when you create these bonus sandwiches, your initial product, the product you're selling, like the theme, the design, the ebook, is actually gives the impression that it's worth more. So when you bonus sandwich the right way, you can sell your products for more money. Yeah, that's great. I'm just trying to, yeah, dude. That's awesome. I love that. I'm, I, I'm going to need to try that out and think of, you know, for example, my lead exam site, I have a lot of opportunities to do some sandwiching. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, what's on the bottom, I'm still trying to think of, but what's on top is, okay, well, what happens after you pass the exam? I mean, I don't, I don't even address, I mean, for me in that site, I mean, and, and the issue with that site is right now, Green Exam Academy is what I'm talking about, is once people pass the test, I mean, they're, they're done with me. And yeah. there's got to be a way to hold them after. And perhaps starting that conversation in a bonus after they make a purchase or with their purchase will keep them on to my brand. And I can perhaps at least put them into a product as an affiliate that, that can help them after they pass the test. Just thinking exactly. out loud here. Like even something like, I don't know what, even know what the Green Exam Academy is. Like I know that's your site, but I don't really know what kind of jobs you get for that. I thought you were my friend, man. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like, you might even give something like, all right, now that you're ready to get the Green Exam Academy, here's how to do it and get the highest salary. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, so you pass the test. Here's how you can use your lead AP credential to approach your boss to get a higher salary, yes. which is exactly what I did. Dude, that's so what smart. Yeah, I did that. I did that in uh, March 2008. I passed the lead exam, and then I approached my boss and actually threatened to leave the company kind of ironically, um, if they didn't bump up my pay and I shared the lead AP exam and I shared back then it was called in the lead.com, but the website that I created that helped my notes, which eventually turned into this business, but it was only created just for me. I shared that with my boss and he was really impressed and I didn't even make the connection that I could share this with the rest of the world until I got laid off, which is really interesting. But anyway, I, I did that. I approached my boss and said, you know what? 
I did this and I, I'm this focused on becoming, you know, an architect, a world renowned one if possible one day. And I feel I deserve this raise. And I got one. I actually bumped my salary up from 38,000 a year to 66,000 a year. Just by passing a test. Don't you think the people who pass a test want to know that? Yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of how the bonus sandwich works. And I believe if you're selling anything, the bonus sandwich can work to help you convert more browsers into buyers. But remember, you want to sell the product and give the bonuses away for free. And at this point, you want to make sure you're not going to give away something that you have previously sold to someone else mm, yeah. because it makes them feel bad about themselves. You want to like with me, when I give away bonuses, I could sell them separately, but I don't. You get more bang for your buck if you include them in the... Exactly. The only way to really get them is to buy them gotcha. as, as a package. Even though they're getting this product and they're getting those two free, they could buy them individually if they ask, but I try to not downplay that because I never want people to be in the position where they bought this product, but now they're getting it for free. Mm-hmm. At which point, if that is the case, the smart way to do it is like, oh, if you bought this product within six months, you can use what you paid as a credit towards this other product or something like that. I see. I see. As a way to get people. You could do something like that so you don't get any ill will between people who might have paid for a bonus. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't have to offer it forever, but you might give them a time limit on it. Gotcha. Dude, man, this has been a great, great conversation. I know the listeners have gotten a lot out of this and, um, you know, have a lot of things to think about now, especially if they are already selling something. And even if they're not, you know, in the approach to selling something in the future, this is definitely going to help. Um, Derek, there, there was one thing I want you to talk about really quick, and that is a special link that the listeners can go to and what they're going to get there. Oh, dude, I'm so happy you brought that up. I actually forgot about it for a second. You're welcome. <laughs> I've got a free ebook specifically for the social uh that's for the soul the listeners of the smart passive income podcast and you can access it by going to socialtriggers.com slash pat p-a-t socialtriggers.com slash pat and you're going to get this free material that i call your first five thousand subscribers here's exactly how to get them and in this ebook, I'm just going to go over some deceptively simple tactics to attract raving fans and lifelong customers. And they can get it at socialtriggers.com slash pat. Awesome, bro. Dude, thank you just for your time and, and, and sharing everything. Um, can't wait to have you back on. I'd love to have you back on again in the, in the future, Derek. Hey, thanks for having me. I was pumped that I got to share some of this nerdy sales stuff that I don't always get to talk about because (laughs) usually when I start talking about like psychology of bonuses, most people are like, who cares about that? (laughs) But I'm happy that I had an avenue to talk about this. Well, you're in front of the right audience, that's that's for sure. And you're always welcome back, dude. So um, I'll see you in a few days at St. Louis for, for FinCon. That's what's up. All right, man. Yeah, I'm doing the opening keynote. Derek's doing the closing one. And uh, hopefully we'll create a nice... um, Bonus sandwich for everyone at at Finkel. <laughs> Gonna sandwich the whole conference with Mr. Nice Guy and Mr. Bad Guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. Take care. Peace. 
All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.com. You can get the show notes and the resources over at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 84. And lastly, I just have a quick, quick favor to ask you. If you really enjoy this show, um, I would love for your vote at podcastawards.com. Once again, the Smart Passive Income podcast has been nominated for the best business podcast at podcastawards.com. I've been nominated the last two years, actually, and did not win, and I'm going to try again this year. I would love your support. Voting starts today, October 16th, 2013, and goes to the end of the month, and you can actually vote once per day if you'd like, um, and you know, I only want you to vote if you feel the show deserves to win. And, you know, I don't do this very often, but when I do, I do it hard or I'm going to take Derek's advice and try to go hard. Now, I'm not that doesn't mean I'm going to spam you every single day with a with a, um, you know, to try and ask you to vote. But last year, I didn't even make an announcement like this to go vote. So if you are listening to the podcast or have listened to it, I mean, you've gotten this far into the podcast. You must enjoy it a little bit. Please help me out and go to podcastawards.com. Select the Smart Passive Income Podcast under the business section. Your vote would go a long way. And if you wanted to vote every day, I would love you so much for it. Um, Thank you. And uh, again, it's every day until the end of October. Um, Gosh, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Take care. Have an amazing day. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.